Hello, everybody. Um, welcome to another edition of Shaky's Cricketing Journeys. Hopefully, you're not getting too bored by me, um, and the guests that I've got coming to you are keeping you entertained. Um, certainly, the guests that I've got today should keep you entertained. From my time knowing, uh, getting to know this chap, I've had many a many a fun time with him along the way. Um, I'm joined today by ex-Ireland international cricketing star uh, John Mooney. Welcome, Mooners. Cheers, Shaky. Good to see you, pal. Very good to see you as well, mate. Um, it's been a long time. I think the last time I seen you was maybe in Aberdeen. Um, we just finished a, finished an I-Cup game, and then you'd come over for the ODIs. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah, it rained, I'd say. Was that the infamous, uh, infamous groundsman... Um, Incident with Noel O'Ryan or not? Yeah, was that that game? Well, I had a that was the day. Um, that was the day after the I Cup game. We'd managed to get a we managed to get an innings an innings lead, and then you were boys yeah. were thumping us in the second innings, and then the rain came, so we got the points. Yeah. Um, so Kevin O'Brien and uh, Porkfield were walking around the ground, and they were very unhappy. But there's nothing. <laughs> there's nothing we could do about the rain, mate. You know what it's like in Aberdeen. Once the rain uh, comes. Yeah. I, I think I think the issue was more the covers. I don't know if it was the rain, but I, I remember it was the I don't know anything about the covers, mate. Except, <laughs> you know, I, I, I refuse to comment on that, mate. I refuse to comment. Yeah. Nonetheless, we took. No, I'm not. I'm not I'm not sure if it, I'm not sure if it was that game, but it was around about that time, and tensions were high enough between the two teams anyway. So it only really needed any sort of rain or, you know, delays or one side slow playing it to make a kick off or for yeah. it to be a little bit more edge. You know, they were great days. They were great games. Brilliant. To this to this day I miss um I miss pulling on the blue shirt to, to, to play against the to play against Ireland. And I wanna go all the way back to yeah. kind of the early memories, but I wanna just start by touching on your background, Munners. Um you were born 10th of February, 1982, in lovely Dublin. Um, and I just want to find out how you got into cricket and where it all started. We, um, I came, my, my family all played cricket. And, uh, so my father's father, you know how it is. Everybody played the game going way back. And um, I just used to love, I couldn't wait for the summer to come along for cricket season. I played football, I played Gaelic, did the winter sports thing, but cricket was just in, it was in our house that heading out on a Saturday or a Sunday for the whole day to watch cricket was just, as a kid, was amazing. I, I just thought it was class. I, I was going into different parts of Dublin. My friends had never even been outside of the little village that we lived in, some of them, unless they were out to play Gaelic or football. But because cricket was so extended, you know, throughout the day, you had time to, I don't know if you've ever been out around Sandy Mount or Balls Bridge in Dublin, which is where Noel O'Brien and Kevin would be from. Wonderful area. So as a kid, we were able to roam around those areas and, you know, simpler times, mm -hmm. um, go down to the shops, just hang around for the day. Whatever you could do, you know, play around the tennis courts. I just loved it. Yeah. And my whole family did. So cricket was just was just born into us. And we, and we just, as a family together, just loved 
going to watch the games. My dad was my big inspiration. And my mom would always worry that when she arrived at the ground, my dad would get out as she arrived into the ground. So she had to try to sneak into the yeah. ground if we were late. Yeah. Uh, but uh, then he would obviously, he had a bit of a temper on him. I don't know. Maybe I might have inherited a bit of a bit of a temper from him. Ever so slightly, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, but you know, herself or myself could be the the butt of you know his excuse for not scoring any runs. When in reality, he probably played around the straight one or snicked yeah. off a wide one. You know, you you know how it is. I used to I used to blame my dad for things like that. Um, club games when I was younger. If my dad came to watch me, I would say I didn't get runs today, Dad, because you were putting me under pressure. You were you came in at the wrong time. <laughs> but you know that's just an excuse, as you know. It means it means nothing. You make your own luck. Yeah. You have to you have to yeah. make your own your own case. And if you get out, then you the buck stops. The buck stops for you. Um, so yeah. obviously you were you were born born into it. So you were. It wasn't like hot luck or when I started playing cricket. You were always probably going to be destined to play cricket. Yeah, and, and you know, uh, that careers thing in school, in primary school, when you're asked, what do you want to be when you're older and stuff like that? I, I wouldn't have really dreamt I was going to be a professional cricketer, but that was the, 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 the dream. The underlying dream was to play professional cricketer. To, be, to play for Ireland was the, was the big thing for me yeah. from, the time that I was, from the time that I was really small. I just mm -hmm. wanted to play for Ireland. I didn't see the bigger picture as in professional. At that stage, all I saw was the shamrock, really. Yeah. yeah. Well, that leads me into, you know, you obviously played Mooners all through the junior ranks for Irish cricket. I mean, you came through with a, a lot of talent. Um, you know, that, that era was uh, quite, quite your, your, your era is quite special. I mean, most of the guys went on to be the superheroes in, in most World Cups, likes of yourself, Niall O'Brien, Kevin O'Brien. William, hello, William, William Potterfield, um, you know, um, so many great players and I was, I was lucky enough to play against as well. And that leads us into the internet. My first memory of bumping into you was in Edinburgh, yeah. uh, under 19. Now, you'd already been to an under 19 World Cup by this point. You'd went to an under 19 World Cup in 2000, I believe. Yeah, in Sri Lanka. So, as a seven, as a seventeen-year-old, yeah. So how was that? How did you find that? How was the experience? That was a challenge, a massive challenge. I started uh, like a I started like a house on fire. It was in the team and and doing really well. And as the tournament went on, I struggled with being away and uh, the, the daily, like I, I, I was a very plain eater back in those days, you know, so going to Sri Lanka would have been a big culture shock yeah, for me, yeah, food-wise. Yeah. Um, the heat as well, I, I struggled badly in the heat, so, but I started off and in the first game scored 35 against Sri Lanka, opening game of the tournament, you know, in their home ground. I was delighted with myself, you know, and I know 35 in, in the bigger picture, you don't want to be scoring runs like that. But as an associate player, that to oh, me yeah. was everything. And that, that, that to me was everything. 17 as, well. 17 as well. You're obviously you're obviously young at the young for the for the for the level. So you'd obviously yeah. that's a that's a great achievement. Yeah, so because of that. That really, that one performance really inspired everything for me going forward because 
the beats, the drum beats in Sri Lanka. Have you ever played down there yourself? I've not it's played amazing. in Sri Lanka, no. Never played there. Uh, it's a great place to play. And the game was in the, uh, the Senegalese sports grounds. It was just it was just a great occasion for us. Um, and really, when I draw when I drew back on a lot of things when I was struggling, it was back to those that those days. You know, I didn't go there with any type of, you know, I don't know, great ambitions to be a world beater in that tournament. But I went there just to see how could I do, and I and I I, I impressed myself with with that one performance. Um, I did. We did well as a team against Australia, and probably still to this day, one of the greatest, uh, I suppose, accomplishments or things that was ever put back on us as a team. Um, Australia had a great side. They had uh, one of the marshes. I think it was Sean Marsh. They had um, Nathan Horitz. Michael Clark was due to be the captain, but he missed out on that side because he was called into the New South Wales side. But great talent. Yeah. And we held them to 240 and we got 190-something chasing it. And um, Rod Marsh came into the change room, came into our change room afterwards. Now, they came hard at us. Mitchell Johnson was on the team, actually, now that yeah. I think on it. They came hard, hard, hard at us. Yeah. And we just put in just, you know that really Irish performance that we have in us. No matter how well or how bad we're playing, there's a gritty performance in there somewhere. Yeah. And he came in, he said, guys, that was brilliant. Well done. Every one of you guys should be proud of yourselves. We've got a busy couple of days, and it, and when that's finished, I'm gonna make uh, I'm gonna make contact with your manager, and our boys are gonna come over for a beer with you guys in your hotel. And we genuinely, we you know, we were felt that's respected. You when you earn um, when you earn the respect of a test playing nation and a, a legend like Rod Marsh, you must have felt felt really, but because you can use that energy then to move on with. You know, you've got that belief that these people respect us because when you turned up, when you turned up, I bet when, the, when I bet when you turned up in the morning, the Aussies were looking at you like, "Who the hell are these boys?" Yeah. Right. Well, they did. Well, for example, like Nathan Horrocks, I had a proper ding dong with him that day. You know, obviously, I wasn't picking on Mitchell Johnson. He was <laughs> not <laughs> But you know, I, I remember having words with a couple of the Aussie guys, but especially, especially Nathan Horrocks. You know, we did. We took them by surprise because we didn't back down. Uh, we had a, a, a dream mixture of players back then. Not all of them made it, but as people, they were strong people. Yeah. They were strong guys. They weren't necessarily the best cricketers. They could have been really good players, a lot of them. Um, but we were a strong team. And, and that tournament gave me everything going forward, really. So that was 2000. And then moving forward, 2000, uh, 2001, 2002, you came over to Edinburgh for yet another World Cup qualifiers. Um, I was 16 at that time. And that was my... I'd only ever played against Ireland once before that, and that was in an under-15 European Championship match where I'd played against the likes of mm-hmm. uh, William Porterfield, who's exactly the same age as me. So me, uh, there was myself and Kyle, and our team were the youngest, and then Porterfield was, was in your, your side, very young lad. And we both won both our games, as was expected. We beat the Dutch and the Danes, and we arrived at Watsonians for the crunch game. Um, to decide who would go to New Zealand for the uh, 2,219 World Cup. Now, the way you talk about 
the 2000 World Cup experience and going out against the Aussies and stuff like that. My whole career uh, and everything to me comes back to that day because, you know, that was a dogfight, like a proper, proper <laughs> dogfight. I mean, I, you boys batted first. I think you put up, you probably didn't get as many as you would have liked. I think you got about 225, 230, so you kind of left the carrot dangling a little bit. Um, yeah. It was quite chaseable to, to get it. We came out full steam ahead, had a really good start to proceedings. And then as tends to happen in the middle of the innings, there was a flop of three or four wickets. Um, and I found myself at the crease, about five down, batting with Kyle Kutzer. And uh, I remember it was yourself and Johnny Thompson. Now, Johnny Thompson, <laughs> no, he's not shy of a word or two either. Um, <laughs> yeah, but you all understand that. You won't understand what he says, but he's not showing you the word. <laughs> yeah, well, that was it. I couldn't understand much of what was coming out, but he actually showed up. But I remember batting in that game, and I don't you remember me as I kept flicking everything that day. Everything just kept flicking to square leg. And yeah. I him, and I ran through for a single, and he took the shoulder off me, full force. <laughs> and, you know, it was kind of, he gave me a mouthful. I didn't understand what he said, but it made me the cricketer I was because I came and I fought fire with fire. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't shy. Boy from Glasgow, I liked the challenge. Um, and yeah. you were coming in at me. I had Niall behind the stumps, coming hard at me. And it all came down to the last over, Mooners. Now, you had steam coming out your ears in that last over. <laughs> I had the ball. You, had the, you were bowling. I think Niall had stood up because it was yeah. like, I think we needed about five or six to win or something. And I'll never forget yeah. it. The umpire gave a bit of a dodgy wide outside of the just went mental, mate. And then to add insult to the, to the wound, you bowled a, a wide down the leg side that Niall missed and we ran the winning runs. And yeah. I remember, you know, Niall throwing the gloves Jumps, you were freaking out. Scottish players running onto the pitch to get, you know, I, I was getting carried off the pitch. One of the, you know, amazing moments. But what I'll never ever forget about that is when the game was finished, was the respect between both teams. You know, that's what I always loved about you, Mooners. When I was playing against you on the pitch, you know, it was, uh, there, was no, there was no taking prisoners. You were in my face, bowling at me, you know, shaky, I'm crying right in my face. Um, but when we walked over the line, whether you boys won or we won, there was always mutual respect. Yeah, it, it, I remember so much of that day. It's actually scary. I, I don't remember a lot of games, you know, intimately, should we say. But that is one game that I can actually play back in my head over and over again. And it's funny how, how it does work psychologically, because as you say, you draw back to that game. Um, I, I would have gone back to that game. I, I remember exactly what I said to the lads afterwards. I didn't have a huge pop at Neuler just as an individual. But his big thing was the umpire. He came off the field. He, it, was a, it was a bit of a scaldy wide. But, you know, that was the last over of the game. Everybody was under pressure, umpires included. Um, there was there was like 594 balls had gone before that in the day. So to, yeah. to bring it back down to one moment, I remember saying in the changing room, lads, we we got bet. 
but the umpires didn't beat us. We all have to look at ourselves. That, that would have been my general thought. But do you remember in that very last over, there was an incident, and I, I'm just going to, I might tell a little bit of a yarn here, but I, it was a little incident with, we, do you remember Imran Masood? Yeah. So Imran was a hugely talented player. His dad was Alf Masood, who was one of my favourite cricketers, ex-Pakistani international. And um, Imran, we met up with during the 2015 World Cup in Sydney. Uh, he's living down there. And myself, Porterfield and Noel O'Brien were on that team that you're talking about, this game that we're talking about. And Imran, because he's living in Sydney, we went down to meet him. And he still holds on to one moment in that game where he thinks he lost it for us. I shouted out to him in the last over, Imi, no two. We'd brought up the field on the off we'd brought up the field on the offside to you because you'd hit everything through the leg side. Yeah. So we said the plan was give Shaky one and bowl to I don't know who number nine, ten, eleven. Harman Jeet Singh it was that was out back with me at the time and he was absolutely petrified. <laughs> Yeah, so like, so the, the plan was simple, Shaky. Give you, give you one <clears throat> bowl to the other guy. But they got two to Imran. And this was, you're talking 15, 16 years later. Imran was still playing for that was you, know, you know, I remember him. The poor guy had a nightmare on this leg side boundary. I have to say, <laughs> he, got, he, got peppered, he got peppered that day because every time we hit to every time I hit him, I was looking for two. And I remember... Yeah. I remember hitting that, and I probably had no right getting to, but it was like, need to get back to the other end. Um, and we got yeah. the second. But Imran, yeah, he the poor guy, man. He was, uh, I even remember that day, Porterfield was fielding it long off, and we ran a couple of twos to Porterfield as well. And that's not like him. Like, he, I went on to play, well, he's an unbelievable fielder. But it just, yeah. the pressure he of the was he was only he 16. He was only 16, so, so covering ground at that step, at that age, you know, we want to play like we're big men and grown men, but we're not really. So yeah, in, 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 reality, in reality, I was probably playing with men all the time, same as you, men's cricket, senior cricket, and playing the occasional underage game. Yeah. You know, you'd meet up for a week and play these tournaments, that was it. So kind of... If you're looking back and you've no experience on the 19th level, you would tell guys to stand in three or four yards closer yeah. because obviously you know they're not they're not as fast or as quick as a, a or the strong arm, the arm the throw the throw is nowhere near as as powerful. Arms not as good, all those things. But yeah, it was it, it, at the same time, Shaggy, it was a great tournament. Yeah, uh, it was the it was the first year ever that was only one team from Europe that qualified for that World Cup. That was the thing that really got to us. Yeah. Not the fact that not the fact that we didn't qualify, but you know there was two years before that we won the tournament easy and yeah. Scotland qualified. Yeah, you know, or Holland or somebody qualified to go to Sri Lanka. So we felt a bit hard done by that. There was a, a nation going to the World Cup instead of us. That's what we thought. Yeah, yeah, but you know, I'll never forget it. Mike Hendrick came into one of the training sessions not long after it when we were obviously getting prepared to go to New Zealand. And you boys have got in touch with us. You know, we'd received like a, a message from the Irish boys um, just wishing as well. And, you know, that, that, those, those type of things will live on, live, live on. I mean, there was there's so many tussles. We'll go on to talk about, you know, a lot more of your highs. That was obviously a bit of a low point um, at that point. Yeah. But, you know, Scotland and Ireland, we had some great tussles along the way. 
Um, you went on to make your your first class debut. I mean, you put, you went on to you captained Ireland Day. Eh? Um, you made your first class debut in two thousand and four. How was that for you? What age would you have been then, Minners? I was 22, um, probably didn't really have much interest in playing first class cricket, if I'm being honest. Uh, everything was gearing at that stage towards the 2007 World Cup for me. Um, I just started on a You say that, I was having a look at your record. You average, four, you average 40 in first class cricket. Uh, I played against a few fucking... Excuse the language. Played against a few. Um, not so good. You know, not so good teams. I would not. Uh, not that they're not good teams, but I. I wouldn't go down the road and say when you were playing in the Intercontinental Cup that. Um, it was the same as playing. Up, that, that, you were, that you were coming up against. You were coming up against. You weren't coming up against a full first-class bowling attack. I'm just. Yeah. I'm just going to be honest. Yeah, yeah. No. And. There was good players and good bowlers within all those sides, but as as a unit, you knew that you just had to maybe guts out a half hour, dodgy half hour from somebody here who was hitting his straps, and you know, the runs will come at some yeah. stage, and that was the way. So, look, I scored some good runs against Afghanistan, good good side and stuff like that. I'm not going to take it all away from myself, but you know, yeah, overall. overall. Overall, what you were striving to do, you know, will lead into that. You made your uh, your ODI debut, two thousand and six, um, and then I want to go into. Obviously, let's just get straight into the mix. Um, before that, actually, the inaugural you played an inaugural ODI match vs England, two thousand and six. Now this is yeah. when you must yeah. have really announced yourself as an international cricketer because. Your performance was outstanding. You took three wickets, three big scalps, Marcus Truscothic, Ian Bell, Paul Collingwood. And then you also scored 30 not out of 26 balls. And Ireland lost the game by 38 runs. Great performance, all-round performance by you, though, Minners. Um, yeah, great day. Again, I didn't... I, I, I wish, uh, if I could go back, that I could take a bit more enjoyment out of those performances because I was so critical of yourself, Shaky, that, I, you know, you call that a good performance and I just slate myself. I've always done it to try and make myself do better, maybe, I suppose. You've got the right attitude, you've got the right attitude, mate. Uh, and, um, you know, like, I'd go straight back to it and say I got Collingwood with a hat, white half, Ollie, but the, <laughs> the score, but the score it, doesn't that, it doesn't say that in the scorecard, buddy. It doesn't say that. Exactly. Um, but it was a great day. There was two really important things that day. Obviously, it was our inaugural ODI, but the two Joyce's played against each other that day. Oh, yeah. Dominic, Dominic Joyce opened the batting for Ireland and Ed batted either open or batted three or four for That's England. Into it. So that was, a, that was a bit weird. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That is. So um, that I kind of took away. Play, I never played against uh, his brother. Was he a good player? Dom was a Dom was a good player. Um, potentially could have had a long career with Ireland. Um, he was an interesting character. We used to call him Scorpy. Uh, so if you thought I was a bit like Scorpy at times, like Dom was particularly. Um, but he was a good he was a good batsman, a natural timer of the ball. Um, 
I think he, he, he struggled dealing with disappointments more than anything else. He'd get quite down on himself. Yeah. Um, but he was, a, he was an excellent player. But he just missed out. He got, he got hard done by as well. He had to open the bat. We started playing in the C&G and things like that, uh, those tournaments in England. And Dom would have to rock up and open the bat in middle of April in, in Dublin against a good quality, I'll just pick a county and say Middlesex attack. Yeah. yeah. You know, that wasn't that wasn't easy for a club player to do. And and he kind of had to do a lot of that and his form totally went and then he missed out on playing some games. So look, Dom could have could have been treated better, I think, as well. But it was just an interesting they're dynamic. Pretty, with the they're pretty, sport, they're pretty supporting family in general, weren't they? Because I think the sisters, sisters played as well. So the Joyce's were just like all naturally, naturally talented, naturally talented individuals. Yeah, they're quite a big family. I'm not sure how many siblings there are, um, but it was the it was our older brother who got into cricket. We're not quite one of the more fashionable clubs over here in in Ireland. And then Ed and the rest of them all jumped over to a club called Merion, which is a very nice club in Dublin, for in the centre of Dublin. And um, yeah, the rest is history. The, 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 the girls, the twins, Isabel and Cecilia, played lots of games for Ireland. I'm not sure the numbers. And then Ed, obviously, the greatest thing about Ed was he came back to play for Ireland and there was no... Uh, you couldn't tell that he played for England. Put it that way, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I always got that impression. I always got that impression playing against him. He, he was a very humble guy, very, yeah. you know, very humble. You know, down down to earth. Just what you've seen is what you got, and it, and obviously his career is is very impressive. The guy's got an OD, the guy's got ODI hundred yeah. against Australia in Australia. So you would think he would maybe <laughs> you'd think he would maybe be a little bit bigger than his boots, but he he always came across as just a chilled out chilled out down to earth guy. I want to move uh, great, uh, a great, a great guy. But the, the, the second thing, sorry, shaky, because I went off track there. The second thing on that game was I played with my brother Paul. Yeah, he played in that game. Um, I'm not sure what his figures were, but I know he was not out at the end. And the two of us walked off the field together that day, not out uh, against England in our first ever ODI, and that was. There's a picture of that. I, I've never come across one. I haven't seen one anywhere, but um, uh, maybe there are. Uh, some other, but the memory, the memory is there, uh, and the memory is there, and that's enough. Really, it was on BBC, so I'm sure you can get pictures of it. Uh, but that was that was a great that was a great day. Your brother, your brother was a quick bowler. Is that right? Fast bowler. He'd tell you he was a quick. He'd tell you he was a quick bowler, but he was just like me, Shaky. He was just a trundler who hit the scene. <laughs> okay, then. Now's when it gets exciting, Minners. Now, now's when the, the, the real hairs in your back of your neck start to, to, start to lift. You headed into the 2007 World Cup. Now, a great man led you into that World Cup. Somebody I had the pleasure of having one month of coaching with. And... Honestly, in the space of one month, having him as an assistant coach, we had him for literally a month and a half. I think I learned more from him than any coach I think I've ever worked with. And that was obviously Adrian Biddle. Uh, what a fantastic guy. Uh, incredible what he achieved with Ireland 
He's also achieved good things afterwards, but he was a one-man band. He was your psychologist. He was your bowling coach. He was your batting coach. He wouldn't mind in your kids for you. If, if, he, thought yeah, you right scored, if he thought you would have scored a few runs for him on, on, on a game day, he would have come around to your house and took your kids. Genuinely, yeah, no, he would have done that for you. He drove the length and breadth of Ireland to meet players for one-on-ones. Um, back in times when you wouldn't have had a good expense, you know, account. Yeah. They, they probably have a better expense account now than back in in eighties day. Well, that's guaranteed. So he was he was working out of the boot of a car, and driving around the country meeting players and and doing things. And he is an inspirational character, and he reminds me a bit. You know, I'm a, a bit of a Liverpool fan, Shake, and he, he, he reminds me a bit of Jurgen Klopp. He just had that charisma about him. Couldn't have, yeah, was, couldn't have perfect, perfect know, I've never heard anyone say a bad word. I know people will say bad words about Klopp, who are football fanatics and stuff yeah. like that. But when you, when you get down to the nitty gritty of it, how can he galvanise a team? How does he get performances out of players? Yeah, and Underneath the real nice guy, there's such a nice guy there, but there's a hard steeliness in there yeah, as yeah. well. And he was a he was tough. He yeah. broke guys' fingers at training sessions and just told them to suck it up. Gary yeah, Kidd, do you remember Gary Kidd? He used to have this. He used to have this skill of winging catches. I've never. Yeah. Like, I remember having a session with him, and he was at Malahide, um, and we were practicing there, and he was winging these catches, and I was. And it was he would take a run up. He would take the run up. Yeah. These things, and I was thinking, this is harder than getting it shelled off a bat. Yeah, we had we had a youngster called Gary Kidd who could bowl left arm off spin. I'm pretty sure you would have played against. Yeah, I played a lot against Kidd. Kidd, you know, a great guy, good bowler, um, and and just a nice character, but would would struggle to step up. Eighty wanted to toughen him up. Yeah. So Kiddo dropped a couple of balls and you could see he was holding his hand and Aidy was like, come on, Kiddo, this is why you're not going to make it, buddy. This is why you're not going to make it. Yeah. And made Kiddo catch another couple and uh, sent him on his way. Kiddy comes back the next day with like five fractures in his hand or something like that, you know. And, um, but Aidy genuinely didn't think he was doing any harm. Um but it was it was tough training sessions. He was such a nice guy, but you had to work oh, yeah. very hard. Yeah, I mean, you've obviously worked with him a lot longer than I did. Um, but like I say, in the space of a month and a half, and he was like, he just like you say, tough training. But you could go and sit next to him at any time and just be like, and I got on. I got actually one of the. I didn't get on with with all the coaches, unfortunately, that I worked with. But I got on really, really well with with Ad. He was he, he was a he was a great man. Really, really honoured to have worked with him. And that leads us into obviously the 2007 World Cup. We still got you, Minners. Still there, mate. Yeah, back here. Right, good stuff. So yeah, I was just saying, yeah, honour to have worked with them. What 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 a man, what a man. Um, 2007 World Cup then, under that man's leader, you know, coaching leadership, you guys announced yourselves on the world scene. Um, yeah. Yeah, it all started 
with a crazy run, you know, run out or something at the end when you tied with Zimbabwe. I'll never forget it. Niall taking off the bales and you all just running in all directions. And at that point, we didn't, it seems like Ireland never had any right beating a Zimbabwe. I mean, if you beat a Zimbabwe now, I don't think people would be like, oh, Ireland beat Zimbabwe. But at that point, for you guys to beat Zimbabwe was huge. Yeah, it was a tie. It was a tie, sorry, a tie, but even a even a tie yeah. that got you obviously got you got you the point, got you on the score got you on the scoreboard. It was um, massive. It was it was a massive game. Uh, and there was a few massive moments in that game. I didn't play in it, but I was twelfth man, but there was a few huge moments um in it. And you're right, Zimbabwe would have gone in thinking they were huge favourites. Yeah. You then went on to you know, I don't know which one comes first, the Bangladesh victory or Pakistan. I, I can't remember. Can't remember. Well, well, the one I remember being a, you know, I, I come from, my, my father's from Pakistan and you boys beat Pakistan and <laughs> it was like Trent Johnston at the end, just literally, however he was going to hit that ball, he was going to hit it. I think he just... M- Slogged it over mid-wicket. It just landed, it in, the, landed in the middle of nowhere. I slower one out the back of the hand from uh, from Azar Mahmood. A little bit wider. A little bit wider. And Trent, the one thing about Trent was if you put it in his arc, it was gone. Yeah. No matter well, who he bowled was, it. He, he had, you could tell he had one mindset, one mindset only. He, just about, he managed to just about pick the slower ball. And obviously from yeah. there... I mean, I, the, all I remember about that World Cup is the Irish celebrations. I mean, it was phenomenal. <laughs> you, what do you call those, you know, the, the, the big hats that you wear? What do you, you actually call them? We just, uh, I don't know what you call them. Like, I mean, you can get all different ones made. It was St. Patrick was in the ground, so he yeah. would have had his own hat. You'd have your leprechaun hats, you'd have your tricolour hats, or depending on where you're from, the north, whatever colour you'd have there. Um, but... The celebrations, we had people flew in from New York, Gaelic clubs flew in from New York, we had people flying in from the Cayman Islands, people flying in from Miami, Bloody people had saved up, you know, for ages to come in on this, uh, knew nothing about cricket, a lot of them, um, but they just happened to be nearby, it tied in with St. Patrick's Day, that was on St. Patrick's Day. That's what it was then, I forget, what, I forget that, that's why, the, I mean, the atmosphere was incredible, you, you were... You were having exactly, a right volley. Yeah. I bet there wasn't much beer left that, that night in the Caribbean. I bet there couldn't have been much beer left that day in the Caribbean. <laughs> um, we were in Kingston was the game, but the supporters were in a place called Ocho Rios, which was about two hours away. Okay. <clears throat> and we, we got straight onto a bus and then straight down to where the supporters were. And there was several occasions where the bar had to be restocked that night. It was just... That doesn't surprise me, Munoz. Does not surprise me. You put a bunch of Irish folk in the one place at the one time. The kegs won't eat. But you know, you know, as a team, we really enjoyed that when we got to the hotel. It was nice. There was loads of supporters there as well. But you know, this shaky. The the best crack that we had was the two hours on the bus, going from Kingston to where the party was. Oh, the singing, the enjoyment. Singing, singing the whole way. We were never, we were never shy of a song. The Irish team and yeah. we, I, we didn't stop for even ten second break of singing the whole way down. Um, it was an incredible bus journey. I only got sent a picture the other day 
of that bus journey and it brought back some brilliant memories. Yeah, I can, I, honestly, I would, I, I was, I remember watching and obviously being a com competition of you, you know, we wanted to try and compete with you always. I remember watching, I didn't get the, I didn't get to go to that World Cup. The only World Cup I played in was the 2007, 2000, or the SA T20 World Cup I played in. But watching on yeah. from the outside, I was proud of you, you know, real pride for you, for really, really happy for for what you boys had achieved because you inspired, I'm sure, people from Scotland as well that look what the Irish have achieved. You know, we can do it. There's no reason why we can't do that as well. Um, and then, you, so, you know, great, great World Cup campaign. What was it like when you got home? Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty good, uh, but pretty normal, shaky. There was no, it was, you know, it wasn't groundbreaking back here in Ireland. It was big. There was a lot of news coverage of it, but cricket's, cricket's a game that hasn't really captured the imagination over here. We, we had a few moments that day. We've had a few moments since, but uh, the people and the public just aren't mad cricket lovers. So it's actually, it's great back home. After that, we got a bit of notoriety from like newspapers, few different sponsors, uh, made life a bit easier, and then and then it, it opened the door for professionalism. That's what it. That was the real big change. Yeah, I, I think, um, and you also announced that these associate countries, you know, they can they can compete. You obviously led the way um, to doing that, and I think the Dutch have managed to do a bit of it in the next couple of World Cups. Unfortunately, we, for some reason or another, have not managed to achieve the same heights as Ireland have at the World Cup. Obviously, we just beat England in a massive ODI game there, which I'm hoping will be yeah. the boys will take confidence from. And if we get the chance to go into another World Cup in the near future, we can uh, we can certainly take some scalps down because I believe Scotland now is back to back to where they need to be. Moving on. I believe so. If I can touch on that for a second, Shake, because uh, the Scotland thing is interesting. Um, there is a little bit of a, you know, we were lucky in a sense uh, after the 2005 ICC trophy. We went into the group with Pakistan and Zimbabwe after coming second in the tournament, whereas Scotland, for winning the ICC trophy, their prize was to play against Australia and uh, and South Africa yeah. in that group. Yeah. Um, but you did get you did get the opportunity. I think there was one other side there. You got the opportunity to beat, which was Bermuda, was it? It was. It was one of those other sides. I need, so, to, I need to do. I need. I, I, I wouldn't want to say, but yeah, there was a, there was a chance. I think to beat somebody else. I'm not sure. Two. I'm not sure who it was, but you would have had one other associate. So the way they kind of evened it out was they said, "Oh, we'll throw the team who finished second into the group with three Test playing nations, but they were three weaker Test playing nations." Yeah. yeah. And what they did to Scotland for winning the tournament, they fired Scotland into the into the group with yeah. at that time Australia and South Africa was. Favorite. Yeah. Well, that was a bit unlucky for Scotland. I think there was then a, a transition period. So in 2011, you guys weren't in 2011. Um, I'm not, I don't think because 2009 didn't go so well. Yeah. In. Um, yeah. Well, that's in, what, the, 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 what I was going to go into the, the 2009 T20 in England. Both both Ireland and Scotland were in that World Cup. Again, yeah. fortunately, Scotland, you know, I, you, you, you might want to tune in um, before your episode comes out. I did an episode with Gavin Hamilton. Um, he, talks about, he talks about that World Cup and, you know, the fact that 
Scotland never really, we never really competed the way he wanted them to compete. Um, but again, yeah. you, you really announced yourself in that World Cup. I mean, I, I read a quote. Um, you obviously progressed from your group as well, which was a great, yeah. great achievement. You beat, uh, beat Bangladesh to get through. But Big Phil, somebody who I've also had a chance to, to work a little bit with out in the ICC Academy out in South Africa, Big Phil named you as the, the standout player of the competition for Ireland. Yeah, it was a, a big, it, that was a big show from Simo. Now I never read any of these, so it was interesting because I, I, I because lads were asking me about it and saying that to me and whatever, and I never put much pass on it. But again, only as years went went by, something like that was actually doing. Simo now didn't say that too often about people, yeah. you know. So you know, it's funny. It you know, it's uh, funny. While we're on Simo. He, was he told me some stories. So we were out in South Africa. At the, I don't know if you ever went to the HBC. I think you went once as well for an academy visit out there. So yeah. big, big Phil and yeah. me were sitting chatting one day. Um, I like to pick the brains. I mean, I look, Phil Simmons, I watched him playing test cricket. So I like to pick the brains of these type yeah. of people. So I was sat with him and he was, he was just saying, you know, I got the Irish job. And he said, and the first time I met the likes of John Vinnie, you know, he's smoking cigarettes, man. He's drinking too much beer. And, uh, you know, this and that. And he said, but I cannot fault. He said, I cannot fault this guy. Every time I try and challenge him, he's the fittest guy in the squad every single time. He's like, I don't know what to do. He said, if his fitness was down, I could turn around and say, well, you need to stop doing, you know, your little bit of social stuff on the side. You know, you're not, you're not pulling your weight. But you were still the fittest in the squad. You know, that was, I remember always coming up against you. It didn't matter if you were up late the night before or not. As soon as you came on the pitch the next day, you're whipping around the field, and you know you're, you're, you you were class. You were such an athlete. Um, but it's just as funny that he, he he said that to me, and then he's obviously giving you credit that he wouldn't normally give. He's a probably a hard man. Wants you to kind of keep keep performing, keep striving for more. But he, you know, he, I definitely read the quote that he did say that you were you were the standout performer. Must be must be very proud. You must be very proud to hear something like that now. Yeah, it's great. It was great, and again, now when I start to think of that tournament, um, because it's one that kind of slips under the radar for us, even though we did really well in it. We got we yeah. like we got out of the group. We yeah. beat Bangladesh, yeah. um, which got us out of the group, and we had some good good performances then on the back of that. Um, but what was really important for me was I got a, a good run of games together in that tournament, yeah. which then, once I got the run of games, up until that point, I was the best 12th man Ireland had ever seen. And, you know, there's a, there's a saying in cricket, don't make yourself a good 12th man or a short leg fielder, you know, because you get those jobs for life. So, yeah. um, unfortunately, I was a good 12th man. And 80, especially, used to just pick me because I was an athlete uh, yeah. to be 12th man. Uh, but it got me, it kept me involved, um, it kept me involved up until a point where I was ready to actually play international cricket. And um, yes, that tournament was, was probably it. And you know, it was funny, shaky how things happen in life because we were heading to Belfast up to Stormont for a training camp before that tournament. And there was a big squad, I think we had 18 or 21 players, which was a big squad for Simo. And it had to get whittled down into a smaller squad. And one of our players, uh, Reynard Stroydon was his name, left-handed batsman. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Reynard probably wasn't really 
Gillian Simo's thoughts, we might have been close to the thoughts or, or was there or thereabouts. And Simo said, Rainy, go and pad up. And Rainy was like, oh, I don't have me pads. And I went, here, Simo, why have me pads there? And I threw my pads on and I went out and absolutely smashed it everywhere. I mean, I, I just, I was reverse sweeping our medium pacers and stuff like that. And I just really, I got a chance. Yeah. And I just said, I'm not letting this go. And I went from that training performance, literally to not missing a game for about seven or eight years for Ireland without injury, of course. Well, that's it. That's, that's it. That, you know, that's what you've always been about, man. Or, you know, you know I would, I've never ever shared the changing room with you. I've always been in the, in the opposite changing room. But you're the kind of guy that I'd imagine if I was going out to go to war with, a, with, a, with an opposition, I would have wanted you, the likes of you next to me because playing against you, you never took a backward step. You know, you were always, and when I played against you, always in my face, always uh, never shy of a word. And, you know, you played aggressive. I never, I always knew, I'm not going to get an easy single at Mooners or, I'm, you know, I'm, you're, going to, you're going to try and run me out. You're going to put me under pressure all the time. So that, you know, moments like that, you remember when your career comes to an end, that if you maybe didn't yeah. take that opportunity, and obviously that day Phil seen you and thought, you know, he's, he, 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 he's, he's ready. He's really ready. This guy's ready to, to, to go on from. And then you were offered a contract, 2010. Um, very proud moment for you. Full, and, and, you know, it's a very proud moment for guys like, you know, coming from associate countries because you know how much we put in and you don't get much out of it financially. But to get given a full-time contract must have been a great feeling for you. Yeah, and again, it wasn't even about... The money at that stage, it was about the money being enough to just make sure you could survive yeah. and, uh, and play and train. Um, and I think it, it, it was to be able to go and think like an athlete, train like an athlete, do all the things that athletes do. Um, you forget that you're a cricketer almost, you know. You, you just get that mindset that you're, you're an athlete. Yeah. And uh, I loved, I, that was what I loved about it. I loved, we were in the Sports Institute around other athletes. Yeah. And it was something that I think as cricketers, it's a, it, cricket's a game where it's been so reluctant to embrace the athlete. You know, uh, mm -hmm. there's, there's parts of the world that play cricket. Like, it, 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 we'll say Asia, for example, where batting and bowling is number one. Being an athlete might be number two. Where in in the likes of Australia and New Zealand and England and places like that now, being an athlete is very important uh, yep. in cricket. Uh, so that's what I enjoyed. It gave me a confidence, an air about me that made me just made me push on just a little bit more. Um, and that's all I needed was a psychological push more so than maybe the fact that I was hitting balls every day. But it was a psychological change in my mindset. I, I, yeah, I'm an athlete. I, I, yeah. I get paid. Yeah, you just, just feel, you feel, you feel. It just gives you that importance that you know you're. Yeah, I'm turning up every day, and you know I am going to be able to. I don't need to go and put a shift in somewhere or worry about going to do something else because at least I can just concentrate on this. I turn up every day to do what you love. Is obviously a is obviously a good feeling. You went on that season. You had a you had a belter of a season. You scored eight hundred and eighteen runs across all formats of cricket. You took twelve wickets. You scored your a nice first class fifty eight versus Afghanistan. So you kind of you, you kind of 
gave back your comp the confidence to the selectors and those who had given you that opportunity, you know, to, to give you the chance to be a, a contracted cricketer. You kind of you give them the thanks by performing straight away. Yeah, and I, I also I went down to Australia that year to play grade cricket. Now I didn't I didn't do really well in that either. As I, I was working as an electrician on the side too, so I wasn't a hundred percent committed to the cricket, but I was doing enough. Um, I was doing enough to keep me learning, but to also you know realize playing down there in grade cricket that's as tough as it gets down there. So um, I needed that. As uh, alongside the contract that year, and, and with the two of those things going hand in hand, um, that really propelled me on to go and uh, yeah, put in performances. I just I, I just got more consistent with my performances, really. No, absolutely. And then you go into another World Cup, mate. I mean, when when I actually started looking into your career, I was amazed. You know, I wasn't amazed at what you've achieved because you know I know you're. I, a really good, dedicated cricketer, good player. But I mean, the story you've got is is, is incredible. You went into the 2011 World Cup. Um, you were the you were the leading wicket taker for Ireland in the tournament. So you called yourself a wee trundler, with well, a wee trundler from Dublin. You know, you got the <laughs> wickets in the tournament. Phenomenal effort. But I think what sticks in everybody's mind, mate, and will always stick in everybody's mind in that tournament is you whacking the winning runs. You played a fantastic knock to get Ireland to that point. Obviously, Kevin O'Brien set it up that day um, against England with a phenomenal 100. But you kept your cool at the end. And I remember that, you know, that trademark winners over mid-wicket, you know, just felt over <laughs> mid-wicket. Um, you, you whacked a good few and then you hit the winning runs to beat England. And then I think the footage I remember is you jumping on Nile. I think Niall had you, and obviously at that point, Niall and uh, Kevin, I think they had the bleach blonde, bleach, bleach blonde hair. Um, yeah. You must, you must still go to sleep some nights, mate, and, and just have flashbacks of that. <laughs> it was an amazing, amazing moment, I have to say. And a, and a moment again that just went by way too quickly. And this is the problem with, with sport is that you, you train your whole life for these moments that only last a few seconds, you know, yeah. a few minutes. Maybe you get the evening out of it. It might drag on for a day or two. But then it's forgotten about because it's the next game. Um, but that particular moment, I remember Kevin had run himself out. Well, he didn't run himself out. He was tired. Um, yeah. We both kind of called it through. I maybe could have sent them back, I suppose. I don't know. I don't know. I think back on it. But um, the English, the English boys then got around me, obviously thinking that, you know, I've lost us the game. Just yeah. you just ran, kept me out, you know, there was a few of them coming in, Ian Bell, Matt Pryor, yeah. Collingwood. There was a few great a few great shouts, you know. I yeah. can't remember much of them. I was just I was just smiling back at them because yeah. I actually knew once they were sledging me that we hadn't won. As yeah. long as we stayed, as long as we stayed calm. Yeah. And Trent Johnson came out, and there was something wrong with Stuart Broad, Broad that night. But he bowled pump, and first ball to Trent was like a, a 
shin high, full toss outside off stump. It was like a throwdown, shaky. You couldn't. Yeah. And we we needed eleven or twelve to win, you know. Yeah. So when when Trent got that and put that away for four, I was like, this is just, you know, it's too easy. It's coming too easy to us. Yeah. So um. I was, uh, you know, I was hoping and I was thinking about the last ball or, or being there on strike for the last ball. I'm sure Trent would have been as well. I'm, I'm sure lots of players think like that. So I was just making sure that I was going to be in position to win us the game. And it just worked out perfectly for me to be there to, to do it. Um, and I had, a, I had a full over to score three runs, I think it was, or two runs. Uh, so... So we were fairly in control of it. So it gave it, it still made me lose control of myself when we won it. I've never yeah. thrown me back in the air yeah. like the way I did. Well, I have when I've been <laughs> when I've been out. Yeah. But I've never thrown it in the air like that after a victory or a win. Yeah. I just lost complete control of myself. And yeah. um I, I don't generally think back too much on it, but people bring it up with me all the time. So that that's that's enough that I need to, to you know, reminisce about it and go back well, to I mean, it. My, my memory that day was my dad had told me and he said to me, Kevin O'Brien, he's on 70-something and Ireland are going all right here against England. And I said, <laughs> I, said but I, I was finishing up. I can't remember what I was doing. I was doing something that day. Um, so I rushed home and I caught the back end of uh, Kevin going towards 100. Um, and then obviously you coming in and I think my, you know, I was, the family was sat around watching it and I was, you know, absolutely rooting for you boys to, to get over the line. Um, so I remember the, I remember it very, very well. I remember the celebration yeah. afterwards and, you know, you should be very, very proud of what you achieved that day because, you know, it was, that was, that wasn't no small chase. That was a mammoth chase um, against a proper English, a proper English team. And we all love to see the English get beaten or so. You know, I, we were, you know, I, we were, we, I was celebrating, I was celebrating big time. You know, what, what another great campaign. You know, you've got so many when you actually look at it. Um, you went on after that World Cup. Um, you had a little spell. You got signed as a, you got, you got taken down to Sussex for a, for a visit. But just looking up on it, it never seemed to, never really seemed to work out for you that. No, I don't, I don't even know what year it was either now. I remember I pulled my hamstring, funnily enough, playing against Scotland in one of the World Cup qualifying tournaments um, in Dubai. And after that tournament, I came back and contact was made from Sussex. Um, and I kind of went over there, still a bit injured. I was like about eight weeks into a 12-week rehab program. I felt okay, but I didn't enjoy it. I didn't, I didn't want to be over there. Um, and, you know, like I was playing with an injury that was going to hamper me Irish stuff then as well when I looked yeah. at it. I'm like, I'm over here trying to make something out of, out of nothing. I was on a bit of a trial, which... Um, after a couple of days, the Sussex homegrown players, um, you know, they were good lads, but they're all they're all looking after their own backs, you know. So there was nothing clubby about it. There was nothing matey about it. Yeah, you're um, used to coming from a you're uh, used to coming from a like a family almost that you you grew up with. Yeah, I, I'm used to playing with people who are happy for you when you do well. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And not, not the way around. So. 
I was being put into field and positions like that were ridiculous. We were playing one day games, um, you know, against good players, and I'm fielding out on the side, you know, where the ball's not getting hit and stuff, and the games are getting tight. And I'm saying it to the skipper, but. It, there were simple, there were little things that you know I wasn't in control of. You know, getting the ball in my hand. The one, one of the first performances I had, I was bowling really well. I was given four overs and taken off for some reason, uh, which I was given to be brought back on. Wasn't brought back on. Little things where it was mates looking at the mates as well. I, I think it can um, happen. I think it can happen. We have a lot of boys that I've got. I was. I've actually. I, I did an interview um, with Safian Sharif, who's kind of. One of Scotland's leading, leading, leading opening bowlers at the moment, and he had a stint where he went down um, to play for Derby, I believe it was. Same thing, was used very strange. Like wasn't you know he was he wasn't really used the way he was normally used, and it just he, he said he did he was honest and said you know you should be prepared for all elements, but I never really it never really it was kind of like I don't know why they brought me down because I wasn't really used yeah. the way I, the way I would have liked to be used. So I think it can it can happen quite often. So it didn't really work out, you know. No, boohoo! It's not the end of the world. You still, you know, you went. You, 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 I, left, I left. I left. I left and went. I left and went home. It you, just you wasn't. Just decided to, you just decided to go to, to go back to Ireland. So I don't think it's. I, only, I, only, I don't think it's. I only gave it like four weeks. I don't think it's something you look back on and probably feel like, oh, I really that time was that time should have been. I think it's probably just a, a void. That you know it happened, experience, yeah. but not something that uh, that you're, you're too too upset about. You probably shouldn't have been there by the sounds of things with your injury, anyway. No, it was it was way too soon. But then again, I wanted to do, I wanted to try it out. I wanted to say that I'd done it really yeah. more than anything else. Yeah. So I was happy that I've said I've done it, and I'm I'm, I'm happy with the decisions that I made as well. Moving on to 2014. You know, this is a time where we talk about all the highs. Um, and to be honest, reading up on your story and knowing about what, what I know about, through all of these achievements we were talking about, you were always battling with, um, you know, mental health and, and depression. Now, a man like you, tough guy, hard man, I would say, you know, Always, you, you, you know, you're not going to get any pleasantries when you play against Mooners. You're never going to get, oh, you're not going to get a soft approach. Depression was something around that time that probably still wasn't that understood. So the fact that you suffered, now, let's say you went and started, you had this, you were suffering with depression now, you would probably have felt a lot more comfortable to talk to somebody. But it's a shame that you suffered in silence for so many years. Um, but it all kind of came to head in 2014 when, you, were, you, you, you know, it was a joint decision, I believe, yourself, Phil Simmons, decided that you'd return home from the West Indies um, to, you know, get yourself sorted out. How, 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 you know, first of all, how was that at that time? Um, and, you know, you're talking to you now, you seem like you're in a, you know, a, in a good headspace, I know you, these challenges can always come back. You listen to Tyson Fury's story now; you're always a day away from being back battling against it. But you know, how did you feel at that time? How was it? You know, how was the support around you? Yeah, I, I suppose the first thing for your listeners and stuff like that is I wasn't really suffering in silence at the start because I didn't know 
what I had or what it was. I didn't, I, I, like make a perfect point there saying that people didn't understand a lot back then. Um, but I'm going back even further. Like my my issues with regards to like you you're saying you would have seen me smoking and drinking a bit and stuff like that. Um, all the all these things go back to um, why am why am I doing them? Why do I behave like that? Why why have I behave been behaving like that for years? Um, I had a couple of things then go on between that period of 2011 and, and 2014, which happened to me, which I suppose made me start to look at myself. I, I take myself a bit more seriously as a person, shaky, you know. So then. The more I looked into it, the more uh, I started uncovering a few things that uh, were, were difficult. Um, and uh, I've always enjoyed a drink and whatever else, but it just got got worse. Um, I had I no interest in cricket. Uh, these tours that were coming up, especially my interest lay in what was going on after the cricket, you know, if I was being honest. Um, still training hard and still doing everything that I always did. Nothing had changed for me, but why do I do that, Shaky? Why, why does John, why is John Boy always out looking for somebody to go on the bill with? Yeah. You know, it, uh, there's a reason for it. So, yeah. I, you know yourself, you know, I was always there or thereabouts when, when there was something happening on tour and I needed to stop those things. I needed to stop behaving like that and, and I wasn't seeing the signs, I wasn't seeing any of this. So um, the more, the, the older I got, the more I obviously became a father, things like that. They start changing your perspective on life and why you're doing things. And um, it was only after I got stuck into like a bit of counselling that I got diagnosed. Yeah. Um, so I didn't know what I had or anything like that. I just thought I acted like a clown. Yeah. And um, and that was it. So when I got diagnosed officially, which was like 2012, um, I would have had a few incidents where I was in and out of a couple of different hospitals and uh, like for periods of time and. Um, I was trying to hide that, that this was probably the worst thing was trying to hide all of that from everybody yeah. on the outside of what yeah. was going on. So then trying to maintain this being a cr professional cricketer and, you know, being out there and doing all this type of stuff, that was difficult. And um, then that tournament that I got sent home from, it never really started for me because I was pretty much just on the beer for the whole first five days of it, or however long we were there in Trinidad. And um, yeah, I had to have a sit down with Simo and just say, look, there's no point. It wasn't that there was a, a row or that there was, a, there was anything that went on, you know, there was nothing that went on behind the scenes other than I just wasn't in the place to be there playing cricket as an athlete. Mm -hmm. um, and it was easy. Simo was just a great guy. Simo made it very easy. And, and then I, I told all the guys and the team the next day, we all, they had a team meeting just before training. Uh, and I, I came into the room and I just explained my situation. I, Simo did know, in fairness, Simo had known maybe he was the only person who knew, knew him and Kieran O'Reilly, who, who was the physio, and then Warren Dutram, who was the CEO. 
and the three of those guys knew the situation so we were managing it behind the scenes mm -hmm. but then it just came to, it just came out in this one uh, tour or start of this tour for me the, the, the difficulties for me was always the start of a tour because um i got homesick very homesick and the way i dealt with my thing was to drink and being away from uh, I suppose the responsibilities of life back here would give me a, a chance to maybe blow off more steam than what I should. Mm -hmm. And then that was leading to the problem. So uh, that's what happened on that tour. Um, and then I was yeah home on a Virgin Atlantic flight soon after. Yeah. Um, listen, probably, you know, it, it, it needed to happen. You know, uh, you know, you probably, did you feel maybe like you wish you'd, maybe spoken out sooner because obviously again coming back to it you're a tough guy you know you, you uh, reading up on it uh, read, I read a few things that it, it said that you, you didn't you obviously wanted to hide it because you thought people would think that you're weak you're soft or you're trying to make excuses for your performance and that's not you you know that really isn't you um so I think it takes people like yourself I remember when I read about it obviously really sad really sad to hear um, you know, you're something yeah. I'm fond of and I've enjoyed playing against you and I classify you as a friend. So I was sad to hear it, but I was happy to hear that you'd, you know, reached out and, and now you were going to get the help required to get you back to being in a better mental, mental, mental health state. But, but a very proud day must have been for you, at, you know, playing against Scotland again, your old, uh, your old chums. <laughs> Soon after it kind of come out to the, I think it was the day before, it came out yeah. to the public, the public, the public, you know, the pub became public knowledge that you'd been diagnosed with depression, and you came out and got 96 against Scotland, missed out in a, by four runs, and you, I mean, that that must have been you must have just had the weight lifted off your shoulders at that point, mate. <laughs> I did. I had some sort of a weight lifted off your shoulders, but uh, we were staying in uh, we were staying in Castleknock Hotel. And um, RTE, which are our main news broadcasters, they'd got in touch with me about doing this piece. Yeah, I hadn't spoken, and I hadn't spoken to anybody. But these were my first games back, and they were pretty much the last game before the World Cup as well. So I wanted to do the piece um, to kind of try and tell people, yeah, I'm grand, I'm ready to go, and if I get picked for the World Cup. You know, I'll, I'll be on the plane and I'll be in a good place to go and do it and everything else. So I, I was looking at it being this kind of a, I'm ready to go interview. Yeah. And it turned into some. It turned into something that I wasn't expecting. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it was like a, it became a feckin' thirty minutes of, <laughs> of talking about depression and whatever yeah. else, and. Yeah. Um, I kind of got sucked into it. I'd spoken to Simo that day and I said, I'm not going to say too much, Simo. It's going to be, this is what I'm going to say. It'll be, it'll be okay. Yeah. And I, when, I drove away, when I drove away from the RT studios, it was about six in the, seven in the evening and I was shaking. I was physically shaking. I was very emotional. Mm -hmm. um, I'd done something that I wasn't used to doing. Um, and my phone just started going bananas in my pocket. Yeah. It was just, I was driving and I could just feel it vibrating, 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 vibrating. I was like, oh no, <laughs> there's a few people after hearing this, right? Yeah. 
I genuinely got the fear. I got yeah. the fear so bad that I didn't look at my phone for the rest of the night. I got the fear that what Simo going to be thinking. Simo's going to be thinking, fuck's sake, he's going to have a bad performance. He's going to be not thinking about the game. He's going to be this, this, you know. So I felt I'd let Simo down by doing that type of interview um, yeah. the, night before, the night before a game. Because yeah. I wasn't expecting anyone to see it or read it or hear it until after the game, 24 hours. But it went kind of viral over here in Ireland. Yeah. So that was it. I was embarrassed. I didn't know what types of feelings I had. <clears throat> and I couldn't sleep then that night. When I say the night of that game, Shake, if I had an hour's sleep, that was as much. And when I, when I went to the ground that day, a couple of the guys had seen, like some people didn't know what to say, some people didn't know what to do. Yeah. There was a bit of, you know, sidestepping and swerving yeah. and whatever. And I just put my head down and I said, I'm putting in a performance today so that Simo can't, in the back of his mind, say uh, he wasn't thinking about the game. Yeah. And, and every single ball came out of the middle of me, but it was just, it was, it was a lovely wicket in Malahoyed. Yeah. Um, Callum McLeod was bowling. The sun was shining. You couldn't ask for anything better. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so the sorry about that, cloudy. But um, <laughs> no, it was a bit. It, it was a, it was a, it was good. I enjoyed it. Um, I don't think much of the Scottish boys. Many of the Scottish boys did know maybe until that morning or whatever had been going on. They certainly didn't take it easy on me. I just had a purple day. Um, and I got out with two or three balls to go, which was the most disappointing thing. Uh, so I didn't get the 100. But I was very proud of myself walking yeah. on the field that day. Very yeah. proud. I wasn't, I wasn't there, but you know, I heard you got a real, real ovation walking off the pitch. Um, you know, great, great, great story. You know, it is a great story. You know, I'm sad to hear, it's a, you know, anybody that goes through depression, um, you know, I actually think in times of my life, when I look back, certain tours I was on and stuff, I wasn't in a very good mental mental, mental place myself. You look back at times in your life, I lost my little brother. Um, I think with you as well, you lost your father at a very young age, and, and it yeah. happened in front of you, from what yeah. I believe. Um, that would have, I'm sure that yeah. would have had a big, a big impact on you, even though you're out there. And it's amazing. People sometimes think sports people, oh, they must be so happy. They must have a... But it can become a very lonely place when you're away on tour and you're you're, you're battling with these with these things in your in your in your mental state and you go you go back to your hotel room and you know you're away from your other half your kids all these other things it can start to take its toll. I'm just proud of you, mate. That you you came forward and you you got yourself sorted out. You're a good man, um, and you know it would have been sad to see anything happen to you. So good for you. Um, I think it's led to. Other people probably been able to speak out about their problems. And now we've obviously got heavyweight champion of the world, Tyson Fury, who was at the depths of despair, you know, all that weight he put on and everything. And yeah. if he's talking about it and he's meant to be this tough, tough, it just shows you it doesn't matter. It's not about toughness, it's an illness that once it once it once it can it starts affecting you, it doesn't matter. You can be you can you can do as many yeah. bicep curls as you want or fight as many men as you want. It's still gonna, it's still gonna take its toll on you. Um, interesting part of your career. This is something I want to finish on now. Now, growing up playing against John Mooney, like you say, loved a beer, loved a bit of banter, uh, loved being around the bar stool. 
to be then going to work and coach the Afghanistan cricket team. I just couldn't, I couldn't, I remember looking at it from the outside, I couldn't put it together. I was just thinking, how is Mooners going to work with, you know, these guys from Afghanistan? I, I don't see how it's going to work. Phil Simmons is obviously the guy that, that brought you in to, to, to be the fielding coach. Tell me about that. That must have been a, a real cultural change for you, Mooners. Yeah, um, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was brilliant, I have to say. The, the first couple of days, um, I spent mostly trying to get to know the guys' names, obviously, the ones who I didn't know. But then the ones who I did know, I spent pretty much apologising for past behaviour against them in, in James John before. Uh, and, and they were, some of them were like, oh, you really scared about John Mooney coming to do fielding coaching with we, we had some serious run-ins. Yeah, the, yeah. the first person who came to me was the assistant coach called Reese Amadzai. And Reese yeah. played a good few games for Afghanistan. He said, do you remember when you shouldered me onto the ground? <laughs> 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 uh, was that you, yeah, Reese? Sorry, sorry, sorry. So, I'm sorry. We, we, we had all these little incidents that went on, myself and Shazzy. Like, me and Shazzy would have fought like cats and dogs. You yeah. know, like, when we were playing against each other, we just argued. Yeah. Um, myself and Asgar, not so much, but it would have been a few words. Asgar was quiet and smiley. Yeah. Myself and Sammy, so Shinwari, we had some good battles. And then Hamid Hassan was a gent, a big friendly gent. Yeah, he's you know? a big friendly guy. Yeah, yeah so, the, so the guys the guys within the team, the culture was completely different, but it was brilliant. It was brilliant, you know, like, uh, Shake, I'm not going to complain about being given free dinners instead of free beers, you know, because it yeah. makes the mental health, <laughs> it makes the mental health an awful lot easier, you know, yeah, so yeah. Um, I really loved, I really loved the laid back nature of how they did things. Um, not, not that I agree with all of it, how they go about their preparation for games, um, but they're very laid back, you know, the, the things that are important in, in the Muslim culture, eating yeah. food together, baking bread together, you know, that type of stuff, being a family, being a family unit. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of things I took from it that were brilliant. Uh, yeah. You wouldn't put the two together, John Mooney and Afghanistan, but I, I feel that they reacted well to me because... You know, they played against me, a lot of them. A lot of them grew up seeing me playing against Afghanistan. Um, there, was a, there would have been an element of respect there. They knew that I was angry. Um, and there was a fear. They had a little bit of a fear towards me, which made my coaching job easier. I was able to make them work. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I did make them work. And I think that Afghanistan's field has really improved. I feel we had a terrible World Cup. Because I don't feel that the, the right squad was selected for a start. Mm -hmm. And there was some huge issues going on off the field. Yeah, I can imagine um, it's quite similar to Pakistani cricket, that there's probably quite a lot of um, politics that goes on was, behind the scenes. It was carnage. It was carnage. And, it, and, and that's a whole different podcast to go on with what was going on behind the scenes. Yeah. And by the time we got to the World Cup, there's no way Afghanistan should have lost nine games in a row in that World Cup. But... Sure. Because, you know, team, 
the team environment is so important. You can't win anything without the team. You can you can maybe win an occasional game here and there, but great teams, champion sides pull together. They might have superstars within that team, but the the the, the big thing is everybody together. And um, the sacking of Asgar as captain two months yeah, before. Yeah, very strange. Very strange. It, it was. It was ridiculous, and I got on really well with Gulbadin. Um, he, he was. Asgar, I don't think he was the right. I mean, he's a good, good, decent player, but I mean, it, it was. I actually felt sorry for Gulbadin in the end because it was like he just got chucked into the deep end. I don't know. The, I don't know the ins and outs, but that's that's pretty much a bad thing as well. That a, that a senior coach in the squad doesn't even know how the the decisions are being made. But that was a decision that the ACB, that, that the board made, or that people behind the scenes made, and it was so close to the tournament that it was it was so frustrating. And um, yeah, it kind of left the job with a little bit of a sour taste for me, if I'm being honest. Um, but then I just really loved it. I, I loved working with them. They were they were great to work with. They've got such a passion. Yeah. Um, they've got such a desire. That is hard to beat. Um, they need to improve their cricket smarts, their intelligence around the game, things like that. Um, they are starting to improve as athletes, and they're starting to see that. You know, as the as the more senior guys are getting whittled out of the side now, which isn't easy. But as that's happening, the younger players that are coming through are are, are much better athletes. And Afghanistan. Could go a long way in cricket in a few years if they can get things right off the field. No, you can see it's evident to see. I mean, it goes back to I was out of the World Cup qualifiers in South Africa when they kind of announced themselves on the big scene. Um, and I'll never forget yeah. we had a team meeting the night before we played Afghanistan. And uh, I think it was Craig Wright said, you know, along the lines of, who the F are Afghanistan? Why are we even, why are we discussing them like this? But we soon knew who Afghanistan were the next day. And I think they beat you boys. In that tournament as well, yeah. they did knock you boys over yeah. earlier in the tournament. Um, so, the, but you're right, the professionalism and things had to had to improve. And I think the time that they will have had with yourself, Bill Simmons, it's only going to stand them in, in good stead moving forward. But I think, unfortunately, Mooners, and something you're going to have to to just understand or not, never really understand is the subcontinent teams and their boards and everything else seems to have a different type of politics involved. I mean, I've seen in Pakistan, I was about to take the pitch for a first-class game, first-class match in the changing room, and I've seen a, a, a guy march into the changing room and, and, and somebody quite high up in the organisation to say that his son wasn't playing, and if his son doesn't get put in this team right now, he'll be pulling back some of the sponsorship. And I've seen a guy get dropped from the team in the changing room and the other boy get brought into the team. So it tells you everything yeah. you need to know. I mean, that wouldn't happen <laughs> in an Irish cricket changing room or in a Scotland cricket changing room. Okay, we all have a little bit of, well, they're boys from Dublin. So the Dublin boys might get a bit of favouritism at some point or the Belfast yeah. one. It yeah. happens. Same in Scotland. Edinburgh boys maybe get a little bit more ahead. You know, the West lose out sometimes. It depends who's in charge or what's going on at that time. So it does go on in everywhere in the world. But I'd imagine in Afghanistan, it would, it would be... Scratch your head sometimes of what the what the hell what the hell is going on here. Now that brings yeah, us to what what I know now, Moon, is you're you're back working with the Danish. Is, is that something that's still still happening? 
I'm doing a small bit with the Danish. I had a I had a month with the West Indies, which was brilliant. I did a month there. Simo's first Simo's first series as West Indies coach. Uh, that was great. I was only helping out, um, but got a month with the Windies. That was amazing. And since I've come back, I'm kind of just doing a little bit for Denmark on occasional weekends, just for Jeremy Bray, just to help Brazo out. It's it's nothing fancy. I'm actually back working as an electrician okay. to bring the to bring the to bring the cash in. Yeah. So and I've um, committed to my local club then to be the head coach and stuff like that. So I'm just keeping myself busy there. Uh, I was hoping to help Cricket Ireland now. I've been helping Ed. I've been helping Ed out a bit with the ladies. Um, I've only just did, I've only just done one morning for him, but I've committed to five or six um, sessions with him. Um, yeah, so I'm just keeping my head down, shaky. I'm not. I'm. I've nothing nailed down. I, I don't think I'll take a foreign job. And when I say foreign, anything I wouldn't even look for anything outside of Europe. Um, you know, I'm happy at the minute. Building's going well here in Dublin, so you can make a few quid out of that and have cricket on the side. Um, and if something if something interesting in the cricket comes up, you know, I'll have a look at it and see if it, if it might suit me. Or if not, I'm just happy at the minute. You know, I've taken some time out of travelling because the Afghanistan thing was a lot of travelling. Yeah, it was two years, and I was on the road a hell of a lot. Since had a ten month old, well, we have a ten month old child now, so I'm going to give it a bit of time. Shaky, I'm still young in the coaching world. Here. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to, I was going to say you, you're still, you're still, like you say, very, very young in the coaching world. So you never know. Yeah. What, so staying in, yeah. staying in the mix, staying involved with cricket Ireland and things like that is going to keep you, keep stand you in good stead. You never know when you might be a phone call away. Maybe the Scottish will phone you at some point. You never know. You know, you, you might <laughs> come over and help, come and help us. Um, You're trying to talk Bukesy out of a job already? No, no, not at all. Not at all. No, I'm, I'm very, I'm very out of touch. To be honest, I'm, I'm very out of touch. I'm not really involved um, at all with uh, with cricket Scotland ever since I kind of spoke out against Pete Steindl, uh a good few years ago. Unfortunately, I've not really been involved too much. But you know, I still play play my club cricket. My passion now and something I'm going to try to do something with is this. You know, I'm, uh, yeah. I'm very, I'm very passionate about this. Um, I've actually got your a couple of your teammates lined up. So I've got Niall, Niall O'Brien. Um, I've not confirmed the time with them, but we've, we've had a couple of messages back and forth. I've got Paul Sterling on next week, so I'm going to catch nice. with him. I have messaged Owen Morgan because uh, Morgan yeah. and myself were, were at the academy out in the HBC. I also played a lot. Uh, of you're, you're stepping up. You're stepping up in the realms of cricket and greatness now. Slowly, slowly, slowly. John Boy here. This we have Moggy next. Can I say something on Moggy? Just when you mentioned him there, what an absolute champion. He came from like just around the corner for me in, in, in Irish terms, 10-minute drive, whatever you want to call it, to be captain and the win inside in the World Cup. It's How un- good is that? Unbelievable, mate. It's, I, I met, I met Morgs under-15 European Championships out in Deventer, first time I ever came across him. Now, I was the man for Scotland at that tournament. I was like the main man. I bowled, I bowled left-arm seam back then, left-handed batsman, And I'd set my, st- my stall that we were going to win the tournament. And I'm going to be player of the tournament. Nothing else can happen. Yeah. 
my, my, my main competition at that point was Porterfield. And I believed at that point, no, I'm going to outscore him. I'll perform better, which I think I did in that tournament. Little did I know. There's this little lad turning up that's going to come out of nowhere. And he came yeah. back against us. And I've never seen anything like it. Like reverse sweeps, yeah. sweeps for six. I mean, we had a couple of leggies. You might remember Monty Bitval and an under 15. Yep. Under 15 level, you didn't get guys that could play leg spin that well. You know, they were a bit confused by it. Morris mm. just came out, reverse sweep, six. And then again... Yeah, but sure. now, and, Morgan, did the, Morgan did the same to him in 2009. Do you remember that game in um, the game? Benoni. Morgan hit him in his stance about five times. Poor Monty, man. Was it, was it, yeah. Wasn't doing too much on that wicket and Morgan's just on. <laughs> um, and then there was experience as well of... I, I was at the MCC Young Cricketers and my first game for the YCs, I played against Middlesex. Ed Joyce was playing, O.S. Shah, uh, Phil Tufnell played in that game. Big, big players. And I'd scored 70-odd. We won the game. And John Embry had shown a bit of interest in me. You know, I'd been taken out yeah. of the changing room afterwards. And he said, you know, we like the look of you. You know, we'll keep, we'll keep an eye on you. And I was walking around Lords to go for my lunch about a week later. Bumped into Owen Morgan, just signed for Middlesex. It's safe to say that door never opened again for me anytime soon. <laughs> I mean, he, um, I actually spent three months with him out of the HPC in South Africa. And I was just in awe of the guy. You could tell this guy's going to go on to do something special. Did I think he was going to go on to captain England in the World Cup and win the World Cup? Did, who knew, I knew he was good, but I didn't know if he was going to go that yeah. far. But IPL superstar, England World Cup winner. Still got probably a lot of chapters left to write in his career. So, Mooners, if you've got his number, maybe send him a wee message for me. I have pinged him on Twitter <laughs> and just say to him, listen, Shaky's a great guy. I just done a, just finished an interview with him. Give him an hour of your time, man. He's a good lad. I'm very appreciative if you do that for me, mate. Well, I can, I can certainly try. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. But listen, Mooners, yeah. it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Absolute pleasure taking a trip down memory yeah. lane with you. You're looking well, it's my friend. It's been great. Um, I'm happy to be here, family. New wee, uh, you've got a young 10-month-old now. I'm sure he'll keep you busy. Um, and I look forward to maybe catching up with you again sometime in the future. I think I've lost you, Mooners. <laughs>